coming at you live from the controller sphere. This is the Deadbeat <laughs> Club. If this is your first time listening, this is our humble book club style podcast, but we will discuss one less book than the average book club. Instead, we will go in depth about one album every week. And this time, we'll be discussing Cherry Peel. But first, Cherry let's introduce peel. our hosts. I am Preston Radke, along with my comrade, Mr. Burton the Dog. And I am uh, Graham Taylor. Nothing weird for me to say. I have no comrades. Village idiot. And I am Ryan Fine. Then, oh, yeah. yeah, no wits about me either. Pretty boring, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Cherry Peel is the first of Montreal album. Um, <coughs> many of you may know that of Montreal became well known in the mid two thousands for producing incredibly dramatic and flamboyant <laughs> pop music. But before that, they were a lo-fi indie folk band, and they were closely related to the Elephant Six Recording Company, which was a group spearheaded by bands like Neutral Milk Hotel, the Olivia Tremor Control, and the Apples in Stereo. And the thing that kind of brought all these bands together was their appreciation for the Beach Boys and other 60s pop bands. And as far as I know, Montreal is still the only, is the only one that's still regularly making music. But I could be wrong. It has happened before, but not often. Hey, Graham. Yes, Preston. So, so, what do you think of in the aeroplane over the sea? Yeah, they're not bad. I like it. Oh, yeah, okay. they're not bad. Whatever. <laughs> no, they're good. Them, they, they, go they're good. Anyway, I like the group. It's great. Yeah, it's <laughs> quite a good album. <laughs> it's great. And if you buy it on vinyl, you get a free pair of thick-rimmed glasses. <laughs> That's what I need. Don't we know it? But that's a discussion for another time. Yeah. For now, um, so Cherry Peel, what did you guys think this album was about? What are the things that keep popping up throughout oh, this album? Boo. Oh man, I kind of, I kind of think that this song is about um, relationships. I guess not necessarily romantic relationships, but a lot of relationships just amongst um, friends. Uh, this. This Kevin Barnes character, am I? Yeah. That's, that's, that, that's, that's the guy. That, that's the guy. This Kevin Barnes character, he seemed pretty young um, in list, just in listening to this, and he was pretty young when he wrote this. Um, but it just seemed like from his perspective and the band's perspective that he, they're just kind of riffing on different people they had encountered in their lives. It's kind of an obvious answer, but that's that's what I think. Yeah. I I Literally, all I can say about it is it's about love. Yeah. It's about it for me, too. Love, relationships, and some lovely relationships. So if and you some not-so-lovely emotions. If you <laughs> spell love backwards, it spells evil. Wow. Somebody tell Sonic Youth in future about this. <laughs> Go on. All right. So then the production of this album sounds quite a bit different from previous albums that we've covered on this podcast. How did you guys feel about it? Uh, I mean, it has that nice, that lo-fi aesthetic, which I'm sure is, I actually don't know if that's what they were going for, but if they were, they hit spot on. If they weren't going for that, well. Shame on them. Exactly. <laughs> but, I don't know, it goes well with, I think, the overall album, the feel they're going for. It doesn't really detract from it, but. That feel. I don't know. It doesn't add too much, but it's there, and it's enjoyable if you're into that sort of thing. So I got two answers for this. 
um, strictly from a production standpoint, I think it sucked. Like, I didn't, it just sounded like some guy singing in his garage. On the other hand, I think that worked really well with this album. Um, it seemed really, it sounded like it was from the 50s and 60s, which I know it's the, it was kind of the aesthetic that they were going. So I guess, technically speaking, the production I didn't think was that good, but I didn't think it needed to be because it, it sounded really good um, just with what they were trying to do. So Yeah, I think it did what it was supposed to do. So, I mean, can't complain about that can't complain. as long as they did it on purpose. Well, you could complain, but I don't think any of us are. Don't ask me to complain. <laughs> anyway, so... You don't have to ask you to complain. Yeah, really. I love it. That's why I'm on this <laughs> podcast, just to complain about things. Um, so that was just kind of short overview section. So let's start going into the songs. I didn't really need to ask all these existential questions like I did with my last episode <laughs> but uh, the album opens with everything disappears when you come around and uh well not a lot disappears from this song it's uh i think it's a good opener very poppy sets that tone they're going for that you know 60s beach boy sound mm-hmm. and it's i don't know it's overall very enjoyable especially that part in the middle around the course where his voice just sort of lowers and keeps going lower and then back to normal yeah. You know the one. You know the one. I really liked this song. This was not my gold star, not my silver or bronze, but it was still really good. It was a great intro. Um, it sounded very poppy, like Graham said. Um, I'm not going to lie. These two, Graham and Ryan, really love with Montreal. Um, I don't know. That's not a lie. I don't dislike them. I just haven't listened to them too much. Like The only album that I've probably really listened to them was uh, Hissing Fauna. Oh, well, that's a good one. It is a good one, but in when I first heard this song, I was like, huh, this doesn't sound like of Montreal at all, except for maybe the singer. So, I don't know, it was, I thought it was a cool intro. It was, it, was, it was good for me because it really exposed me, it kind of broadened my horizons um, in reference to of Montreal. So, it's a good song. It's a good ditty. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> different for the band. Like, if you, if you, dear listener, have not heard Hissing Fauna or You the Destroyer, and you've liked the music that we've talked about so far, then you definitely should give it a listen. But this album is definitely a lot different. But this song is definitely just like a bouncy shuffle pop tune, and it definitely gets straight to the point with the whole album. Mm -hmm. It actually seems kind of cutesy at first, like just in the lovey-dovey sense except for the parts about, like, body parts disappearing and whatever, and those random verses where they talk about, like, people disappearing and, like, paranormal things or whatever. Yeah. But other than that, it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. But it's fun. I really like it. Mm-hmm. I do like the... I uh, like it a lot. I do like the mix of those, like, usual love song cliches and then just, whoops, they're missing. Yeah, it's just kind of a thing that happens a lot. <coughs> A good, for the rest of the album, I think. Yeah, it's a good juxtaposition, and it remains, like you said, throughout the album, which I can enjoy. So what do you guys think of Baby by Of Montreal and not Justin Bieber? I'm going to say it's a really weird choice to include <laughs> on this album, but... This song uh, reminded me a lot of the Beatles. I can definitely see that. It had a nice mm-hmm. 60s sound to it. It reminded me more of the Beatles and less of like the Beach Boys, which is odd because a lot of the other songs sound like the Beach Boys. Um... 
I like the song a lot, probably a bit more than the initial one that we just talked about. Um, the 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 ending was pretty cool. Like it got it seemed like it got pretty got pretty quick towards like the bridge and later on in the beginning, but then the end kind of the tempo went back down. Um, so yeah, it was a cool song. I like it. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Very much what he just said. Uh, it's it's similar to the first song, I think, but it does it a little bit better. It's a bit stronger, which I like. As we discussed last time, never start an album with your strongest song. And this is definitely one of the stronger ones, I think. It's a fun, fun tune. Fun ditty. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually think I like the first song a little bit more. But that's okay. It's okay. You can do that. Yeah, that might that You're might be allowed. one of the. Well, we might not have too much to like passionately fight yeah. about about this album. It's kind of chill. Like, it's just kind of a thing you can have fun too. Yeah, yeah. with this album, um, with me, honestly, there I I like this album a lot. Um, I didn't love it. It wasn't. It's not like in my top one hundred or whatever. But I never. There's no song in here that I'm like, oh, I love this song so much. And there's no song like, oh, this song really blows. So. Oh. Well, so sorry, no. <laughs> we'll discuss. Spoiler alert. Yeah. But um, baby, like baby, like baby. It's the second song. You can, <laughs> you can already tell it's just going to be an album completely chock full of love songs. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you didn't know, just by like looking down the track list. Um, one cool trick of this song is kind of how it like switches back and forth between normal, like four four rhythm and like a triplet feel. And I think that works for it. Mm-hmm. It's Kevin Barnes just like showing the early seeds of his oh. um, songwriting chops or whatever. Oh, um, just as a side note, um, I did a little research before the show because you know Ooh-hoo. show research is, is always great. And I learned that um, nerd, Mr. Professional, mi- Mr. Kevin Barnes once did a show in Las Vegas completely nude. Oh, yeah. Does not surprise me. And the thing is, I actually wanted to do this, but Ryan Fine's like, no, no, we have to wear clothes for the podcast. Sorry, guys. This is a family show. Mm-hmm. So, blame Ryan. Yeah, sorry. Only, sorry you don't one... get to hear us naked. <laughs> the only one here who's naked is Burton. And, I mean, yeah. he's probably better looking than all of us. So. But he's wearing that harness, so. But he looks Kinky. great in it. Mm. Hey, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe we'll fight tonight. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Not about what we usually fight about. Anyway, so uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, right, guys? Anyway, the third song is I Can't Stop Your Memory. What did you think about it, guys? Uh, was that a kazoo in that song? A kazoo. <laughs> Cause, oh, I think it might be. I think it was. Because if it's not a kazoo, if it's more like a professional kazoo, I don't care what it is. I really enjoyed that. Helped help make, it, make it stand out. Because, uh, I, again, I think it's... Kind of similar to the first two songs, but uh, it's still not, like, getting old. It's fun. It's peppy. Yeah, man. The guitar's cool in this song, I think. Um, after after the this the song before this one and this one, I've, I've noticed that of Montreal likes to do a lot of um, stylistic shifts in the yes. middle of their mm-hmm. songs. Absolutely. And that's pretty cool. I like that a lot. It's, it's good stuff. That's slowing down. This song also sounds very... Uh, this has been thrown around a lot. Very lo-fi. Um, so I, I like it. Um, it's one of the major aesthetics of this song, of this album. Um, I don't know. This is kind of like a broken record, but this is a good song. It's not a bad one. It's it's in the 70s of the Preston rating scale. Hmm. <laughs> I wish is... it was in the 70s. 
Uh-huh. Oh. Weather jokes. Huh. We're old. Anyway. Old and cold. <laughs> and gold. Um, yeah, I can't stop your memory. It's a f- fun song, but it has a bit of an identity crisis. <laughs> like, within the first minute of the song, it's like a ballad, then it's like a waltz, and then it's just like a full-on rock song, and that's in the mm-hmm. first minute. Mm-hmm. And um, then it also has the falsetto crooning, <coughs> which I don't know. That might be what you're talking about with the kazoo, but... Mm-hmm. Who knows? Could be anything. It's kind of obscured by the production. I might be hearing things. It's been a long day. Or camera obscured. (laughs) Oh, no. Stop. Ryan is being tickled on air. air. This is cruel and unusual. Anyway, I like that little jam thing at the end, and that's all I have to say about the track. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys think of when when you're loved like you are? This song makes me think of a barbershop quartet, guys. Does it? It does. Am I the only one that thinks that? Makes me think of a lot of things. Well, this one makes me, I don't know, it kind of sounds like a barbershop quartet, I think, honestly, a little bit. Well, I think it sounds a lot like the Beach Boys, who sounded like a barbershop quartet. Uh I need to listen more Beach Boys. You do. Just on a side note. Yeah. Lyrically, this was a strong song, I thought. But yeah, barbershop quartet, that's like the first thing that jumped in my mind. I was like, huh, this is a good song. Ooh, barbershop quartet. Good song. Hmm. I mean, if this is a barbershop quartet Quartet. Quartet. Quartet song. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, It's probably the first one to ever directly refer to Larry, whoever he is. (laughs) And I did enjoy that. I don't know. It's just like there's this big album full of a lot of lovey-dovey soft songs. And Larry is not usually a name I think of when uh, I think of lovey-dovey. Sorry if I'm insulting any Larrys out there. Uh, My deepest condolences. That's just, it's just me. We work closely with the Larry, but go on, whatever. We do? Oh, we do. Yes. Oh, we do. I'm sure no fans of Orange is the New Black would <laughs> complain about hearing you say that, though. Although if it was Larry the Cable Guy, I mean, I'm fine with that. Oh, well. Oh. <laughs> oh. You know, like, every time I turn on this song, I just think of Jingle, <coughs> I think of Jingle Bell Rock immediately. <laughs> like, at the very beginning. It's like Carbon yeah. Copy. Um... Also, there's that, like, cool brush snare that makes it a little bit kind of swinging. And uh, it, it, it's like this is the point in the album when I just start realizing how much it sounds like Kevin Barnes is just singing into a tin can. <laughs> like, Pretty much. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that's definitely the kind of thing they were going for here. Mm-hmm. Ooh, so. Ooh. Oh. So? A challenger approaches, guys. All right. You know, that's interesting because there's a, there's a really good bit of content called Challengers by the band New Pornographers, who I, and they're related to a band called Destroyer, and I think Destroyer sounds a little bit like of Montreal. Oh, well, wow. That's, that's how that connects. Go on. Word association, right. guys. Yeah. I hope to play some more some other time. Um, <laughs> who wants to start off the next track? I don't want to. I guess, ask me. I guess I will. Gold Star. Oh, that was oh oh this okay this is this was so close to my gold star too. Oh, nice. Yeah, this was. You almost have good taste. Can I? <laughs> That's um, true. Look who I live with. Can I interject with a spoiler? Of course. Uh-oh. Gold star. Oh, yeah, nice. Mike. Is this the second time we've had the same one? Well, it, us two, Preston, it almost um, created the trifecta, but not oh, quite. Oh, oh, okay. Full disclosure. 
I was listening to this album before we met, like, not 20 minutes ago. And this was my gold star, but then another song passes up in the last minute. Oh, so uh, if we would have had uh, well, the trifecta, we can have the tri. We can save that for future episodes. Keep them coming back We're or something. Do the trifecta on air. I mean, go on. Anyways, yeah, I like the song. It changes it up. It's a lot faster than the other ones. It's uh, I believe this one was the one with that electric guitar. Uh, yes, am I correct? That electric guitar. That one. That Absolutely. one. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the songs before then either had a very muted electric guitar <coughs> or were entirely acoustic, and this one. It's there. It's kind of up front, and mm-hmm. it changes up a lot. I like what it's doing, and especially since a lot of the songs up to this point have been very like familiar territory. This one goes a little bit beyond, not too far beyond, but just enough to keep it fresh. Yeah, so I'm real surprised at this, and I, I mean, I could be completely wrong, but I don't think it is in my you know pre pre show research. I'm surprised that this wasn't like the one song off this album that wasn't that like wasn't the one that was, you know, played on the radio. Because this, I don't know, this song seems like it should be the lead single off of this record. Mm-hmm. It was a good it was a good song. The vocal performance was pretty cool. Um, the wooing got a little... Amazing. Oh, oh never mind. Very okay. amazing. All right, never mind. <coughs> I don't know, it just got a little annoying after a while, but like I said, this is my second favorite song, so I don't really don't dislike it that much. Tandem, so the tandem sings pretty cool, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely the closest thing you're going to find to a banger on this album. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's, like, all the lines so far, like, there's been some unusual things as far as, like, typical love songs from the 60s. But this one has this cool part about, <laughs> I'd like to marry all my close <laughs> friends, live in a big house together by an angry sea. Mm-hmm. I, I love that Don't line. Don't want to do that? Well, I... I guess so. That's why, like, oh, seven of us are... I guess that means... Yeah, guess, guess who's all living together next year. I guess we're all getting married. In a big house. Hey, those tax breaks and... Yep. Maybe <laughs> maybe in-state tuition, if we're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Count on it. Anyway, like, all these are kind of, like, typical love songs that don't really require that much analysis, but this one's kind of a little bit different, and I kind of think it's about, like, there's all these problems in your life that it's really important that you fix them right away but you just decide that the best solution is to stick your fingers in your ears and pretend that they're not there Mm -hmm. it's a little too close to home and the only other point and there's quite a bit of points with this song i really love this song a lot of points um is the fact that there's like this cool chilled out glockenspiel that comes in (laughs) and then it's playing at the same time as this really ugly guitar solo. <laughs> ugly as it may be, I love that solo. I know, it's great. The yeah, ugliness like... makes it better. <laughs> I mean ugly in the best possible way. Yeah. Now... Like the movie The Duff. Oh my god. <laughs> that movie doesn't exist. Have you ever seen The Duff, Graham? Stop. Okay. This Stop. is a music podcast, not a movie it's podcast. It's just a question. Well, to be fair, that's not a real movie or anything. <laughs> Certainly not a film. Certainly not a film. Film. Anyway, um, in Dreams I Dance With You, how do you feel about this piece? Okay. Is that a banjo or a sitar? Um, Honestly, I thought it was just guitar. Oh, it didn't sound that so different too. to me. It sounded like a banjo to me, but I could be wrong. My my dad played banjo when he was younger, so I'm very... I'm, whenever I hear something that sounds somewhat similar to a banjo, I'm like, <gasps> Banjo! Some... 
a lot of stringed instruments. Then. I think it might actually be a ukulele. I could see that or hear yeah, that, I guess. That. Yeah, that's a cool song. It sounded very dreamy. Oh, well, did you know the title of the song? Yes, but, okay, it was very dreamy, but you'll notice, Graham, that I didn't, that that I remember, I didn't fall asleep or anything. Oh, good for you. (laughs) Yeah, it is good for me. Um, This song really reaffirmed the fact that, man, this band is from Georgia? This doesn't sound like they're from Georgia. Maybe Georgia and Europe. Can I, oh, I almost forgot. You almost forgot. um, This band is from Athens, Georgia, which contains like it's the origin of quite a disproportionate number of bands for Mm -hmm. its population and like how well known it is like part of the elephant six collective was basically just founded there what about the animal collective no not that one (laughs) but um i noticed that um of the titles that we were considering for this podcast the deadbeat club obviously being a b-52s reference and what? I'm going to go ahead and reveal it, guys. Oh, oh boy. No. The other title that we were strongly considering for this podcast was Something Something Leonard Bernstein, which is a reference to that one R.E.M. song you all know. So, like, oh, man on we the moon. are entirely, <laughs> like, based in Athens, Georgia here on this podcast. Pretty y'all. much. Really, Athens just doesn't seem like a city that'd be in Georgia. It seems like it'd be from, like, Greece. Seattle or, or Washington. Greece. Or, yeah, Greece. That makes sense. Yeah, Washington or California. Oregon or Greece, Oregon. Yeah, yeah. So it's not spelled O R E G O N E. Don't. So uh, I thought this was maybe the darkest song on the record. Coming back to the actual thing that we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, the lyrics are really cryptic on this one, and mm-hmm. it's so different. Like, it talks about. In the very beginning, like a snowflake falling while comets are basically destroying all of civilization. Mm-hmm. Trippy. And like a ghost that only cats can see. And then like even when it becomes a lot more lighthearted and it turns into like a waltz at the end, <laughs> it's still talking about like bodies being made out of wood like it's a puppet show and it's mm-hmm. cool. It covers a lot of ground in a really short amount of time. It's only like two minutes long, but mm-hmm. it has a lot of content. Yeah. I thought the song was kind of trippy. Not to mention it explicitly mentions rapists and murderers in the yeah, lyrics. Yeah, too. Yeah. Oh, like, musically, I did not like this song, but, really? like, lyrically, oh. lyrically, huh. it was really nice. Okay. Wow. Well, you're, um... You're, you have poor taste. So, um, Preston, do you know anybody else who likes music? Hey, Burton! <laughs> I mean, I, I obviously don't, but... No, uh, definitely not. Uh, what are your thoughts on, um, In the Aeroplane? They're a good band. <laughs> Glad I'm not the bad guy tonight. That's the Smashing Pumpkins album, right? Uh, no, it's the Streets album. <laughs> oh, whatever. Now we got to be petty with people who aren't on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> First, you fight with us who are here. You fight with people who aren't here. You insult possible future guests. Hey, man. Preston, you're out of control. Got to keep it. Got to keep you guys on your toes. All right. So, um. I've said all I have to say about that particular ditty. Ditty. Let's go with sleeping in the beetle bug. <laughs> you know what? Just... You, you know what's really cool about um, the year twenty sixteen? Not many things. Well, that's that's true. But we had something called the Summer Olympics happen. We did a few months ago. You know, literally never heard of it. <laughs> hey, that's, yeah, they're kind of they're underground. 
Um, well, the really interesting thing that's applicable to this song about the Summer Olympics is things that you get at the Summer Olympic at the Summer Olympics. And we're gonna be we're gonna be professional here, and you don't get. I know is in Brazil, and there are some issues there. So we're just gonna say what I'm talking about is gold. This is the gold star of the album, in my humble opinion. Oh, see, I thought you were gonna give it the Zika Award. See, no, no, Graham, no STDs, no Zika, no gold. <laughs> Um, some observations. Uh, this wasn't an immediate observation. I had kind of noticed this for the previous songs, but this band really likes to name their songs. Um, I don't know what comes first, the song name or the lyrics, but I've noticed that a lot of the initial lyrics in their songs also happen to be the titles of their songs. Just so happen to be. Just so happen to be. Coincidentally. Coincidental. Um, in the beginning, the song kind of, kind of reminds me a bit of um, About a Girl by Nirvana. Oh, I guess I can see that. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a bad thing. That's one of their better songs. This is really cool. Um, those, I like the structure of the song. Um, I don't think this song really had much of a defined chorus. And I, that's, again, that's not a bad thing. I think that's kind of a nice change up. Um, the instrumentation and the lyrics are pretty good in here. The guitar solo is pretty nice. So enjoy it. Gold star. See, I thought you were going to go with there's kind of, kind of, a title drop at the beginning, but it's the closest <laughs> thing we get to it just because it yeah. talks about cherries. But I really could never figure that line out anyway. Something about penguins. I don't get it. I want a penguin. Anyway, Graham. Yeah, I really liked it. It's straight away from that, that more acoustic sound that's been prevalent throughout the album. And overall, very nice melody. This one, this one kind of hooked me. I like, I like everything about it. The title, the music. You didn't like it that much, though. I mean, it was, was a, it was a contender for my goal. Oh, nice was up there, but didn't break the mold. Ah, well. We only shooting stars do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I almost consider giving this my rotten egg. What? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not bad or anything, but... Um, I guess I'm doing this solo. But, like, there's some cool progressions. I really like the drums on it. Like, it's probably the best song drums-wise, but still, I thought the vocals were pretty lethargic. They're... I found it to get a bit tiresome and I don't know I like it but not that much mm-hmm. um, it wasn't that notable to me but That's... I respect it it's a bit different from other songs on the album so I guess I can see why people would appreciate it more than I did oh well <laughs> go on let's talk about Tim yeah, let's talk about Tim, because this song is less than two minutes long, but I feel like we're going to be talking about this quite a bit. There's, he has quite a lot to say to Tim. Tim. He does. So, uh, maybe you want to give us the the full title of the song? Okay, so <laughs> the title of the song is, Tim, I Wish You Were Born a Girl. Does, does anybody want to comment on I mean, that what really, this song is about? Or that anything? really says it all right there. Uh, the the singer, singer of this song. Uh, he's kind of in love with Tim, but uh, because Tim. because they're both guys, he doesn't want to marry Tim. He wishes Tim was a girl, but he, damned, he still loves him. It's just such a weird love song. It's, I don't know, like if someone's saying this to me, I don't know if I'd be flattered or insulted, maybe a bit of both, but. I don't know, it's just, it's flattered. definitely not typical. <laughs> I'd be a little uncomfortable, but I'd be flattered. <laughs> he likes to sing about cooking and. And operas a lot in this song, soap operas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's pretty interesting. You know, talks about grandparents a lot. This is probably my third or fourth favorite song, actually. Um, 
I think that this was kind of a nice little inclusion because I guess I'm not a, a Montreal expert, but aren't a lot of the members of a Montreal um, members of the LGBTQ community? Well, I'm not sure because like I know Kevin Barnes, he likes to have this air of mystery around his sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. But like spoiler alert, he's straight, but yeah, he's he bad, but yeah, he's married with apparently a kid. like wishes. <laughs> He wished for a long time that he was gay or something. I don't know. I'm really confused by the whole thing. But um, this yeah. is definitely nothing from, like, hissing fauna or skeletal lamping in oh. regards to, like, being sexually explicit or anything. Yeah. It's just basically him saying to this man, I love you and I want to take care of you forever for the rest of my life. No homo. <laughs> um, It's literally it. Oh. It's no homo, the <laughs> no song. No homo? Yeah. Wow, like you're, he, you're in college and you're 12? <laughs> no, but Kevin Barnes is 12 apparently. You said he was young. I know. But um he gets really specific about this whole scenario. <laughs> it's amazing. I this is my third favorite song on the album, I think. It's a good song. Um but he's like I want to like shame that we can't be together because I could make you spaghetti with tomato sauce with just a touch of oregano and a parsley stem. That's kind of it's, it's kind of cute, frankly. I know. I, I It's adorable. It's just so specific, and I love so it. It's so specific. And I just love the whole, like, going back to the whole no homo vibe. It, the literal last line of the song is, I'm not saying you can't be all these things for me, but it's just not the same because you're a man and so am I. <laughs> I know the song is kind of silly. Well, not silly, but, I mean, it. it is a little silly. But I think that this was a good song to have on here because you guys mentioned that there are other songs that they do that are very explicit in talking about sexuality and presumably bisexuality or homosexuality. Um, and I think that this is a good kind of intro for them to have because this one, like I said, it's very specific, but it's not too uh, risque, I guess. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to alienate any possible closed-minded people from the late 90s, I guess. So I thought, From I the thought late was... 90s? Nah. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't live back then. Yeah. So I thought it was. I thought it was a nice thing to have. Frankly, you should too. Mm-hmm. Musically, this song is only guitar, right? Just him on the acoustic. Oh, uh, there. Yeah, I think so. Which now normally I, I'm not really a big acoustic guy, which is why this album didn't really stick with me at first because there is a lot of acoustics on it. But it really works for the song because it sounds like he just pulled out a guitar and just started playing for Tim right there. Yeah. It just thematically <laughs> kind of fits with that. The whole vibe. Vibe. Yeah. Speaking of acoustic guitar, um, the next song is Montreal by Of Montreal. <laughs> Mom. Mom. This was my second to least favorite song. Oh. Oh. Oh, he's wounded. So. Oh. I'm sorry. There's pain in was his it eyes. It was my second favorite. Oh shoot. <laughs> I love this song. Anyway, talk, <coughs> you talk first. Well, to be fair. Bad news wh- first. When I first heard this song, I really didn't think much of it. And honestly, I'm not that passionate about disliking it. It's just I think there are other songs on here that are good. It's like saying, you know, you're a good applicant. You're awesome. But we just have a lot of better qualified people. But then when I listened to it before the show, I liked it a lot more, but not enough to, you know, have it go higher on through the ranks. I don't know. This song kind of, kind of sounded sad in the beginning but I don't really know if that's exactly the mood that they're going for um, instrumentally I thought this was cool I thought the 
I don't know. I thought the tone was pretty was pretty noteworthy <laughs> after the beginning. I guess it seemed like it got more um, comical or ironic. So oh, it's not that great. I don't know. It doesn't really stick out, frankly. Man, Hero was thinking we weren't gonna fight tonight. I mean, I'm not gonna fight. So I'm well, beat this song. Don't let me in the in the middle of this. What do you have to say about it? All right, so this is a great song, and you should all love it. Um, this is my other favorite song on the album. <laughs> Just like a tiny, the tiny bit of backstory that's necessary for this, I think, is that Kevin Barnes named the band of Montreal over the fact that he had this failed relationship with this girl who was from Montreal. And if the fact that he peripherally <coughs> names this song after his or that he peripherally names his band after his ex doesn't tell you that Kevin Barnes can't let things go. This song should. <laughs> like, it's definitely a heartbreak song. I assume it's about that whole situation. It actually gives me, like, a really big, like, really sad country vibe. Mm-hmm. With, like, I can picture in some desert or something, like in some country town... Um, some drunk guy is like crying and singing this song while playing acoustic guitar on his porch and like <laughs> rolling in his own tears. <laughs> I don't know. I really like this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it because it's a good song. Would, it's not my favorite. Would stand out. This might be like one of the only sad songs on this album. Like that's explicitly sad and heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. This is sad. And Pretty much. <laughs> I liked it. It was uh. Kind of a interesting follow-up to Tim, because he goes right from singing about Tim, who he wish he could yeah, love, that. to, to his girlfriend that you wish he could he, love? he wish loved yeah, him. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a cool placement. I like that. Very interesting progression. Interesting. Very interesting. Interesting. Speaking of things that may or may not be interesting, how did you guys think about this feeling slash? Derek's theme. Derek? Yeah. Oh, Tim's probably like, who's this Derek? <laughs> I know. Some chick in Montreal is like, well, that's why it didn't work out. <laughs> he likes all these guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, some g- good instrumentation in this song. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, great instrumentation. I think like that's extremely noteworthy from the song. The lyrics were all right. Um, this, this fell in the 70s for me. I know we're not supposed to like review albums in that light, but... This was an average song, but the instrumentation was awesome. Um, I guess the only gripe I had was he kept saying, like, this feeling over this and, feeling, and over and over and over again. It got a little feeling. annoying. This <laughs> feeling. <laughs> yeah. I wonder where they got the title from. Uh, I have no idea. It wasn't even the first line. I know, yeah. right? So there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is good follow-up to Montreal. Kind of like a sequel almost, because he's... You know, thinking about how you can't let go of this, or you can't forget this feeling. Pardon me. And it's, I don't know, I like, I definitely like the instrumentation that's sort of like very poppy, preppy sound that immediately followed the gloomy, slow, melancholic Montreal. Montreal. Again, another good placement. Uh, but yeah, not too much to say. So, we um, like it. that's what Ryan's here for. That's what Ryan's here for. <laughs> That's so, what Ryan's here for. <laughs> um, this is kind of... So, okay, here, let me start over. This album, 
Welcome to the Deadbeat Club. Welcome to the Deadbeat <laughs> Coming at you live from the controller sphere. All right. But this album kind of has the potential to feel very samey because of the lo-fi production, because of the fact that it sounds like all these Beach Boys and Beatles songs. But this is the part of the album where it kind of starts feeling like a chore to me. And oh. <laughs> I think I... I think I smell a rotten egg, actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's fair. I kind of thought you were that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine hasn't come yet, though. It's like, I respect that it's kind of a personal song, but so is every other song. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like it's kind of about being really excited about a new relationship or like a new stage in a relationship, but also being apprehensive because, like, what if things eventually go wrong? And there's that <laughs> repetition of this feeling, which kind of. I think takes away from how interesting the song could have been where it's just restating this thing that has been stated in every song since 1966. <laughs> I don't fair, know. Fair Not that remarkable point. to me. Well, you can have it. Uh, I'll allow I it. Like I said, I'm not super strong either way. I'm just not very controversial tonight with regarding this album. I'm sorry. You know, we're going to have to start, like, flat out insulting each other pretty soon. Hey, Graham, your face sucks. Better? Hey, <sighs> I think Graham's face is a gold star. Yeah, well, it's it's not. It sucks. Ugh. All right. <laughs> Go on. Glad two, two guys are fighting over me again. Well, not over me, oh, but you can have about them. me. I was watching your eyes. Oh, oh hey, there's a song called that. <laughs> so, so you know how you just said that this feeling is kind of where you broke with the repetition? Yeah. I was able, I was able to hold up for one more song, and this <laughs> is kind of where I broke, and this is getting my yeah. rotten egg. I well, don't know. We could have almost had the same rotten we egg, We were too. so close. We're in the same neighborhood. A few houses I wish away. you had been born a girl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. Speaking of fighting, I don't never know. mind. Go on. I don't know. It's just... Repetitive. It sounds like a bunch of other songs on this album. I do. I did like that middle section though. Yeah. I, I forgot what happens during it. But <laughs> I just. I just put. My, I. I put in my uh, <laughs> notes that I like the middle section. <laughs> so, might as well throw that out Grim, there. I'm just. Im- oh. I'm so proud of. I just really admire that you're willing to admit that on air. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like I honestly have not listened to any of these albums. <laughs> But I don't say that on air. <laughs> yeah, I just copy Ryan's notes, too. See, <laughs> I think it just speaks more about the song than it does me. That it's not memorable enough for me to, you know, well, dedicate maybe. memory to it. Well, uh, I can't stop your memory from <laughs> forgetting all of these songs. Oh. I thought the lyrics are kind of cool. Other than that, the songs... It was my third to least favorite song, so I didn't really like it that much. Um, I In hearing this song, I was struck with the thought, like, I wonder what... I wonder if Montreal sounds like live, or what they sounded like live when they're doing the when they're doing these songs. Have any of you guys ever seen them live, or have you read reports on how they how their live shows go apart from he, the he, nude, the nude ones? I heard he did a show nude. <laughs> <laughs> I had a chance to see him live, but I didn't. Why? <sighs> well, didn't want to pay for it. Well, well maybe <laughs> you didn't buy pizza so much. Man, just keep dragging me in this session, why don't you? Man, if they didn't know just, that we were uh, roommates before, it's they just, definitely do now. Tell, later, tell everyone about my poor self-control and my spending habits, why don't we? Graham has poor self-control. And terrible spending habits. 
But yeah, uh, I don't know. I've seen a few of their like live sets on like YouTube and stuff, and I own one of their live albums. Of oh, course, yeah, the one that you snatched for me on Record Store Day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, we we can fight about this at the end of the episode. Oh please. But uh, uh, I think we'll save that one for the potential other of Montreal episode. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Their live shows seem to be pretty energetic, but then again, the only ones I've seen have been from their later stuff, which those albums overall are energetic. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see them back in these days mm-hmm. and then, like, watch them progress to, you know, where they are now. Doing a show nude. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd, I guess I don't love them, but I think it'd be cool to see them live. I'm sure they'd put on an interesting show. Anyway, the only things I really have to say about I Was Watching Your Eyes is, well, he starts off by saying about he wants to write something basically undeniably incredible so much that it, like, overwhelms all of the senses. But, <coughs> sadly, this isn't it. And <laughs> I I really like the whole, like, stream of consciousness lyrics, which is kind of a thing Kevin does a lot on these songs. But there were other parts of the album where I think it was way more effective. So, basically, it's pretty enjoyable, actually, I think, if it was just, like, a standalone song. But it doesn't really do anything new that isn't done better on other places on this album. Um, I think we're kind of on the home stretch right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. So, um, springtime is the season. I think Graham should go first. <laughs> oh, I love this song. Uh-oh. Oh, why, uh, why are you uh-oh. saying uh-oh? Do no, you, just go on. Are you not infatuated go with on. it? Go on. Okay. Are neither of you infatuated? Is it just me? I'll hold my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. I don't know. It's just, it starts pretty differently. And it's a super simple song, but I think it's super effective. And it's just singing about, you know, what's what seasons are good for, you know, the tulips and the other plants. And he eventually settles oh. that springtime is the best season for these. It is the season. It is the season. Yeah, there's some, it's like a Kimia Dawson song. Almost, bit, yeah. Except with a little, well, not even. There's animals in here, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, But I agree. I really like this song. Another one of my favorites. It's definitely one of the ones that gets stuck in my head all the time it's stuck it's in my head right now very bouncy yeah there's a cool instrument in here that a there certain former guest on our show told me is called an optigan <laughs> um now do you know what an octagon is because i don't know what i an don't octagon optigan, is. it's short it, for optical organ oh so optigan okay it's like a synth Isn't that an eye? sort of thing but for an optical organ no <laughs> boo <laughs> But um, it's basically just a bouncy song about nature, and it kind of reminds me of Sgt. Pepper era Beatles, but only because it reminds me of when I'm 64, like right oh, off the bat. Do not <laughs> compare. And this song is comparable oh, to that song. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's kind of by the way not comparable. It, well, it could, it's able it be to be either. compared. Thank you. But you, it's like that song about how. It's cleverly about how people come in and out of your life and you have to adapt and whatever, but in the sense of animals. And I I do really like that <coughs> line where he talks about bears and he goes <laughs> in that hook, we like to be fat. Mm-hmm. And he just goes on that for a minute. It's great. Very, Freaking love this song. Very hashtag relatable. Right. Cool. Um, all right. So the song kind of started out kind of very lo-fi. Then it seemed to get more sophisticated. <laughs> and... 
the innocence of the song was cool, but... <laughs> no. oh, don't do it! Yes! This song is so annoying! You're so annoying. No, no, the... Cl- ha, 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 ha. It got so annoying! But you liked this feeling. Yeah, I do like this feeling. This I don't, song... I don't oh, like this feeling right now. I don't now. like this song. Like, it's not very good. But you know what this song has? What has? It has those E's, just like that one band that you like. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. You know I'm right. Oh, <laughs> I'm neutral Milk Hotel, guys. They, they do that a lot. Yeah, but I like this song. The song's not very good. It's a very good song. No, it's not. Yes, it no, is. No, it's not. Yes, it's it is. Yes, it is. yes, it is. Um, at night, trees aren't sleeping. Go. Um, It's not bad. I agree. Not bad. I like, I like. Oh, he mentions bow ties. That's cool. <laughs> I like bow ties. Bow ties bow, are even cooler. Bow ties are cool. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that joke from like 2013? It's from. Hey, bow ties are still that, cool. I think. I it mean, was from Doctor Who, so. Yeah, I was probably like 2010s. I think it was. Man, I, I haven't like worn my bow tie in so long that I just hearing him sing about bow ties made this song seem so much better. Are you gonna wear your bow your bow tie to bed tonight? As he does. It's a really good idea. As the singer does in the song. Seems like it might be a choking hazard though. Eh, it's worth it. Bow ties are cool. No, no. This this is just another song I think is it's here. Yeah, it's here. It's got some interesting lyrics. There's a reason why we're talking we're riffing on bow ties right now, is because we really don't have (laughs) that much to say about it. It's it's just Well, I have some things to say about it. Well spill. I will. I will spill everything. Well all the tea. Um, I think this is actually one of the catchiest songs on the album, which maybe partially because it sounds familiar, like kind of a La Bamba or similar song. La Bamba. <laughs> but speaking, like I was speaking about like the tricks of the album earlier, like these things that Kevin Barnes was trying out when he was still like a fledgling songwriter. <laughs> a youngin. And I really I like how this song's trick is kind of the subtle tempo shifts throughout the song. Like it kind of, speeds up and slows down according to what part of the song it is and makes it kind of like unstable and unpredictable like how one of the hooks of the song is how everything is falling apart and maybe it just is <laughs> excuse me it's <laughs> the village idiot burped on air it's falling apart everything everything anyway um we have Finally reached the last song. There are 14 tracks on this album. Um, how do we feel about You Got a Gift, guys? I got. I actually have a lot to say about this, and Quite it's mostly good, too. actually. Mostly good, all right. I feel like this was kind of a culmination of work. This was kind of like a, all right, they'll write this album, we'll see what they're like at the end. And this song it wasn't super different from the other ones, but it seemed like it was much more well-produced. It didn't seem as a <clears throat> lo-fi as some of the other songs, and it was also longer than... I think it's probably <coughs> the or one of the longest songs on this album. I think yeah, it is the it longest is. one. It's probably one of the only songs on the album that's like a normal song. It's, yeah, like four minutes, 30 seconds or something. Four minutes, 50 seconds. Oh, wow. If you had done your homework, you would know that. If you were like Preston and was a nerd. That's okay. You know, you know, this song is 450, and, you know, it's longer than... Because most songs are like, you know, say 340. In general, most like rock songs are like 345. Mm-hmm. And you know who makes really long songs? That'd be uh, Mr. James Murphy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. How could yeah. I forget so about Mr. James for, Murphy? Mr. James Murphy. This is a good Jimmy song. Jimmy Murph. It was, it was so um, normal that it was good. 
it, in the sense that is different in the sense that like all the other songs are so underproduced and so um, similar to each other. It's just so different. Like, huh, this one actually sounds it's sounds like it's from the twenty first century when it's not <laughs> it's from the twentieth century. Oh, it's a good song. Kevin Barnes, time traveling musician. Time traveling. Unbelievable. Wouldn't doubt it though. Um, I don't know. The song was okay. It was. <laughs> The only reason it's long is because there's like that re- very repetitive outro, mm-hmm. which I think is unnecessary. Oh, I actually like that. I like um, it. I mean, eh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't like it on this song. Nor sometimes I like super long, unnecessary outros, but I don't like this one. See, it's actually interesting because I actually like that exit jam. I think it's a really good way to kind of play out I the agree. album. But I actually thought the rest of the song was a little bit middling. Mm. Like I. Uh, thought that the verses <laughs> well anyway um i like the loud instrumental parts of like the kind of body of the song way more than i like the verses which are kind of a bit droll yeah and i think it does kind of <coughs> drag on a bit long even though i said i like the jam but you know it drags on a bit mm-hmm. and i think it's a little bit ironic that um Kevin Barnes, the man who wrote The Past is a Grotesque Animal, <laughs> was not that skilled at bringing, bringing songs to a regular length back in 1997. Um, it's a, like I said, I like the ending a lot. I just wish the parts that came before it was better. I think that would have made the length a bit more worth it. Mm-hmm. But I think that was a good closer. Yeah. It does wrap it up nicely. It wraps up greatly. It does wrap it up nicely. Kind of like greatly. we just, kind of like we just did. Does wrap it up wonderfully. Anyway, <laughs> sweetly. Um, that's all for the songs. We've we've gone through every tune. So, what do you think? If somebody came up to you and said, "I'm looking for a new album to listen to," or an old album to listen oh. to. How likely would you be to say Cherry Peel by of Montreal? Um, well, if you frame it like that, I wouldn't recommend it in that sense. But I would recommend it if someone was like, hey, well, listen some, some of Montreal or something that's <laughs> different. There's something by a band that, like, it's different from the other work. So I would recommend this. Um, it's, it's, really, it's really kind of neat because I don't think a lot of bands or musicians today are trying to sound like the Beach Boys or anything from the 50s or 60s so i think this is kind of a a nice way for people to make huh that aesthetic lives on hmm, interesting see now someone came up to me and asked uh <clears throat> excuse me do you have any uh of montreal recommendations this would not be the first one i recommended probably wouldn't even be the second or third but overall if someone were to ask me if i recommend this I don't know. Get back to me, Ryan. How about you? (laughs) I will get back to you. (laughs) It's on. It's on a fence. I am. Anyway, I've been debating this all day. Mister of Montreal fan over here. Um, That's Graham, by the way. Some some fan he is. (laughs) I would recommend this album to not one but three kinds of people. Ooh, three. A Graham, a Preston, and a dog. Well, no. Well, although I did, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. But um, I'd recommend this to <coughs> Beach Boys fans, because if you like 60s Wilson. pop songs, then you can definitely appreciate 
music made by people who are around because they appreciate 60s pop songs. <laughs> Number two, Neutral Milk Hotel fans. Oh, so not Graham. If you already like the whole Elephant Six idea and the vibe of those other bands, Olivia Tremor Control, as I said earlier, um, you're probably going to find some things on this that you like. It's just a bit more of an accessible version of those sorts of bands. And then the third kind is of Montreal fans. <laughs> if you like this band's other stuff, then you should definitely do your homework and listen to Cherry Peel. Don't necessarily expect to like it, though I really did, and it was one of the later albums that I listened to. So don't expect to dislike it either. Just like go in with an open mind and see what happens. Um, Graham, Graham. You, have after, to, you have to say it. After so much needed debating, I think that I would, in fact, recommend this. But Good. probably Maybe only someone who is specifically looking for like that 60 aesthetic pop. Yeah. If someone asked for like of Montreal recommendations, I would probably That's fair. I'd probably recommend either something a little bit more down the line, like uh uh Satanic Panic. And at the disco. By I, the way, that is my favorite of Montreal album. Because I feel like it takes quiz later. <laughs> I feel like it takes like what they were doing here and just more like evolves and makes it more their own. It's less Beach Boysy, more of Montreal. Yeah. Or I just recommend their super later stuff, which is super weird and that I really like. Yeah, so you're going to tell them, to the people who say everything is better in the 60s, you're going to be like, no, everything mm-hmm. was better in the 90s. <laughs> isn't, isn't this like a riff that Austin Powers goes on in the second Austin Powers movies where he's like, Heather Graham, I don't know her name, you should come back with me to the 90s, forget about the Graham. 80s. <laughs> Never mind. No, one's, oh. no, one, no one gets it. No. It sounds like something being the second Austin Powers movie. It's the best one, in my opinion. Third one sucks. First one's all right. Go on. First anyway, this good. is not an Austin Powers <laughs> podcast. This is not a film podcast. But it is an album podcast. And speaking of albums, well, <laughs> Preston, take us somewhere new. All right. So, recently we've... Um, the albums that we've had you guys review that we've reviewed have been kind of kind of under the radar albums that yes they've been influential but they haven't necessarily been you know, like man when I was growing up the really thing that really inspired me was the ultrasounds <laughs> no offense it was a good album man I was super inspired but I guess <laughs> not anymore so I decided to pick one of the like one of the the mammoth just one of the great records from specifically the 90s um i think i told i know i told i think i told both of you actually i was probably gonna do this so this probably shouldn't come as too much of a shock yeah. well let's hear I it i don't remember what it is <laughs> wow ryan um i actually know for a fact that ryan is very passionate about this album oh no we're gonna be here for hours oh boy yes, we are so i think i know what this it is. may be a three-part episode <laughs> And I'm just really glad that I chose this because there are lots of other bands I've tried to emulate what this band has done. You're killing me here. Oh, no. Ryan, one guess. Is it okay, computer? Graham? Uh, I want to say it's something Tom Waits. The album that we'll be listening to next time is, is? the self-titled album by the band Third Eye Blind. Bye, guys. Dead silence. So now, Preston, the question is, are you for real? I Don't you trust me? No. No. Well, I mean, sorry. <laughs> oh, you're being serious. 
You are 100% legitimate right now. Yeah. We are listening to Ryan Fine's least favorite band, Third Eye Blind. Well, probably my second or third least favorite band, but they're pretty freaking far down the list. I should tell you, though, that we are actually going to listen to Frank's Wild Years by Tom Waits. There you go. Frank's Wild Years by Tom Waits. I was literally planning my escape. <laughs> I was he's he's out of his chair right now. I've been now. planning this for so long, Ryan. Remember a few weeks ago where I kept making allusions to um like the album that I was gonna review and Graham was like, which is gonna be and like I would like cut him off. This this is what I was referring the, to. The the fruit of his labor. Okay. Was it worth it? <laughs> well for me. It I'm was. glad it- I'm sure I don't speak for only myself when I say we are all very relieved about what the actual album we're talking about next week is. Um, anyway, so that's our fifth episode. And if you're still uh, listening to our podcast at this point, I, st- I have no idea what to tell you. Like, you're absolutely insane. Congratulations for making it through an entire season with us. Come back to hear us talk about Frank's Wild Years by Tom Waits Wait, and what? not the self-titled Third Eye Blind album. All right. Peace out. Violet. Have a good night, all. And to all a good night.